Today's reading is taken from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labour bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth. Good morning, everyone. So Christmas time next week, probably not a surprise to many of us. Um, Christmas is a time I know when many families are involved in doing uh, jigsaw puzzles. Now I did think about bringing, like, I appreciate this is perhaps not the most tricky puzzle to do uh, for most of us, um, but I thought if I brought a, a little piece from a 2000, the prop wouldn't be as impressive. So um, jigsaw puzzles going on. Uh, now jigsaw puzzles, you, you place the pieces uh, down, don't you, to form a bigger picture that's going on. Uh, and each little piece contributes to the broader picture. Uh, well, this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at one little piece. Uh, one little piece of the Christmas jigsaw. Uh, indeed, uh, we're going to hear one of our verses this evening uh, at the carol service, that verse 2. But you, Bethlehem and Paphrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who's ruler over Israel and whose origins are, are from old we're going to hear uh, that verse this evening. But my hope today is that uh, as we just slow down a minute, uh, we can take a bit of a longer look at the, this little piece of the puzzle. Now, we're not going to rush to stick it in the picture. We're going to stop and say, well, what, what, what is the Lord teaching us through this little piece? And then when we do put it back into the picture, how does it make the puzzle seem all the more glorious and all the greater and shine all the more brightly? So with that in mind, uh, let's pray uh, as we begin. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this, this word 700 years before Jesus. And we pray this morning... But as we spend some time considering Micah's words, this Christmas will shine all the more brightly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, uh, Micah, uh, page 933 in our church Bibles, it's one of those books that makes you really glad you have a contents page in the Bible, isn't it? Like, like where is it? and if that's true, if you're like me, then you probably actually don't spend that much time reading it. Like, we don't really know where it is in the Bible. We don't really know when it happened, let alone uh, what it said. Uh, so let me begin just by uh, just sketching for you uh, where we find this uh, in the Bible. So, so Michael said it's uh, page 933 uh, in our church Bibles. Um, but let's go back to Moses. Do you know Moses, that point when Moses comes and he leads his people out of Egypt through the Red Sea? Uh, and then he takes them to the Ten Commandments and they're given God's law. 
and they keep marching on and Israel sends uh, 12 spies into this promised land. Two are really good and say, oh, the land's brilliant, but 10 say, oh, we can't go there. Uh, And so they end up uh, wandering uh, in the wilderness for 40 years, just wandering round and round and round until that whole generation dies out, uh, even Moses. Uh, And then with Joshua as their leader, they come to the promised land uh, and they conquer it. They go through Jericho and the the walls of Jericho come tumbling down uh, and they conquer the land. And then the land is, is split up into different tribes. And that's how they govern themselves. But sadly, the people start to become complacent. And they turn away from God. And so uh, God sends disaster upon them. That they're invaded by a, a different land, the Merbites or uh, someone. And then they call out to God saying, God, help us. And then God sends a judge, someone like Samson or, or Gideon. Uh, to come and help them. Uh, And they're brought back again. But then, sadly, the cycle starts again, and it goes on and on and on. And then the people look around, and they say, hang on a minute. Um, We haven't got a king. All the other nations have kings. Uh, We want a king. And they say, well, you've got a king. God's your king. Yeah, we know that, but we can't see him. Uh, We want a real king that we can look at with our own eyes. And so... Saul becomes their king. And at first he starts off okay, but then very soon he goes downhill. And as he does, the Lord raises up a shepherd boy called David, who kills Goliath and then goes on to become the king. David has a son called Solomon, and this is the highest point in their history. Solomon is thought to be about the fifth richest person that ever lived. Uh, and people come from all over the world, all over the nation, the area, to come uh, to see what's going on. But Solomon, uh, just like the rest of the people, his heart wanders. Uh, and then uh, the country is torn in two. I don't know if you can see that. Uh, but there's a, there are ten tribes in the north, with the capital in Samaria, and there are two tribes in the south, with its capital in Jerusalem. So that's Judah and Benjamin uh, in the south. Uh, and this is the state of play, and it's been like this for 200 years by the time we get to Micah. Uh, Micah is writing, uh, or prophesying, shall I say, between about 735 and 700 uh, B.C. And this is the state where they're in. And sadly, the trajectory of both of these nations, of Israel in the north and Judah in the south, has just been going down. So in Micah chapter 1, we read these words. Uh, Look, the Lord is coming from his dwelling place. He comes down and treads on the heights of the earth. Uh, The mountains melt beneath him. Uh, The valleys split apart like wax before the fire like water rushing down at a slope. Uh, All this because of Jacob's transgression, uh, because of the sins of the people of Israel. Uh, What is Jacob's transgression? Is it not Samaria? Uh, What is Judah's high place? Is it not Jerusalem? Uh, The places that should have been worshipping the Lord 
are now places where other gods are worshipped. Indeed, if we were to look a bit more at Micah, we see that the leaders are completely corrupt. Even the prophets, those who supposedly speak from the Lord, take a bribe and just do what they are told to do. The big problem that Micah is driving at here is saying, look, the problem is your hearts have wandered away. Just like they wandered in the wilderness those 40 years, now your hearts are moving away from me. You're looking to yourself rather than the Lord God Almighty. And because of that, because of your sin, judgment will come. And that judgment would come in the form of the Assyrians. It would fall upon Israel and Judah. Uh, Now, the Assyrians were the most uh, technologically and barbaric army that you can imagine. They were technologically advanced. Their their army was uh, full of full-time paid professionals. So if they came up against a a ragtag collection from another country who just sort of drew people together, drew farmers and whatever to come and fight. They didn't stand a chance. Uh, Their weapons and their uh, chariots were made of iron that completely destroyed any other people's weapons. But also one of their greatest tactics was to so instill fear into other nations that they could win without even pulling a bow. They would do that by um, publicly impaling people, uh, creating mountains of severed heads, uh, even displaying the skins, flayed skins of their opponents. They wanted people to see these images and tremble before them so that they would just drop arms. They really were the most powerful, brutal force around, and this is on the doorstep. And we know, sadly, in 722, Micah's words came true as the Assyrian army went into Israel in the north, and they took captive the people. But Micah's words aren't all doom and gloom. He he does have hope. So Micah chapter 2 verse 12. I will surely gather all of you, Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a sheepfold, like flock in its pasture. The place will throng with people. Uh, Yes, Micah is saying judgment is coming. It's coming because of your sin, but there is hope. Because there will be a day. There will be a day when a shepherd will come and gather his people together again. Micah's prophecy is full of judgment, but there is always hope. Micah wants the people to know because of their sin, that's their big problem. God's judgment is coming, but there will be a time when God will restore and save his people. And with that in mind, that's where we come to in chapter 5. And at the start of chapter 5, again, it's page 933 in the Church Bible. Uh, we see uh, these words. Marshal your, your, march your troops now, city of troops, 
for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. Now. This is happening now. Uh, We could add the words, and now, at the start uh, of verse 1. And now, marshal your troops. Now, city of troops. Uh, This is a siege that was likely uh, referred to in uh, the siege of Sennacherib in 701 BC. Uh, A siege that was completely choking Jerusalem. Uh, A siege that was uh, so close that the, the invading army could almost slap the cheek of Hezekiah the king and he could do absolutely nothing about it. A siege that looked utterly, utterly hopeless. Who can come and save the people? But you, Bethlehem Apaphrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins from old, from ancient times. If we had a, a, a sort of a Christmas quiz this morning, I said, oh, can you just name for me five countries, five, no, five um, cities or places that we see in the Bible in, in Israel? I reckon Bethlehem would probably feature on that list as a place that we know that's in that area of the world. And we probably would put it because of Christmas. Uh, we sort of know it, don't we? We, we've, we sing about it in our carols. We, we sing about it in, in our schools, like Little Donkey uh, even says, that carry Mary onto Bethlehem. It's, a, it's a, a place which is fairly well etched in our minds. But, but if you were to ask the people here hearing this, they'd go, Bethlehem. Like, Bethlehem, I know, I know that place. Give me a moment, I know it. Yeah. Just scratching around. Thinking, oh no, that's it. It's where King David's from. It's Jesse. That's where it's from. Yeah, Bethlehem. It's that little place. I, I said, oh, could you just tell me where it is? Ah, no, sorry. No idea. It's nowhere. It, it's completely uh, unexpected. Uh, we used to live uh, in Angmering, which some of you may know. It's about half an hour uh, to the west. And we probably know because we live around here, but some of my youth group would go off to Manchester or East Anglia unis, and they'd say, oh, where are you from? And they'd go, uh, Brighton. Because they know it. It's just like, who's heard of Angering, by the way? It's just, just there. Um, but um, it's a random place. It, it, you may as well say, I'm from a place called Nowhere. Well, Bethlehem was in the region of Epaphraph, or we might say it's a village of nowhere in the region of nowhere. This idea that a deliverer was going to come out to match the, the mighty Assyrians coming out of a village of nowhere, it's laughable. But that's God's promise. Because God always chooses the weak things, the unexpected things, the small things. Not the strong and mighty, uh, not the impressive. Why? Because he wants to leave us in no doubt that he is the Lord. But what is more, did you notice that this deliverer, uh, we learn not simply that he, where he's from, Bethlehem, but it'll also be of old. His origins are from of old, from ancient times. 
it's always just saying that this deliverer will, will come from Bethlehem, but he's also pre-existent. Uh, he, he's sort of born, but not made. It's obviously he's taking on human flesh, but, but he's not been created human. It, it, he's sort of before all things. That this deliverer will come from Bethlehem, but he's also from of old. And when he comes, he will bring in this new age of hope. God's rescue will come out of nowhere, but it won't come straight away. Verse 3. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time she who is in labour bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. God's deliverer will come at the right time. But just like a pregnancy, there is a delay. And just like a pregnancy, there will be pains to bear before it happens. The people will have to wait. They will have to endure. But it will come. And when he does come, God's rescuer, it won't be as a warrior. It won't be as a conqueror. But rather, a shepherd, verse 4. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth. When God's deliverer comes, he will gather his people. He will care for them. He will protect them. He will lead them. Micah speaks and he's looking forward to the day when God's rescue will come. Out of nowhere, a shepherd king will arise. And on that day, there'll be hope and there'll be joy. On that day when God comes to town. On the day when there's darkness around, there's an enemy at the gate. Micah says a shepherd king is coming and he'll come out of nowhere but the people had to wait 700 years. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, well, the time, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. He's here. He's here. God's rescuer is here. Uh, Our little piece uh, of the jigsaw, our little jigsaw puzzle piece, it's being placed into the picture. God's rescuer is here. But, But this little jigsaw piece isn't simply telling us that he's born in Bethlehem, job done, let's move on. No, it's telling us something far, far greater. It's telling us what sort of rescuer he will be. 
See, Micah told the people, your big problem is not actually the Assyrians. Your big problem is your heart. Your big problem is not without, it's within. And today that is still true for us. Our biggest problem is not without, it's within. It's not an Assyrian army. It's not poverty, pain or COVID. Our biggest problem is within. It's our sin. It's the things that we said sorry for at the beginning of the service. It's the way that we we turn our backs upon the Lord. It's the way that we need rescuing from ourselves. It's the way that our hearts wander like the people wandered in the wilderness. We need saving from ourselves. We need God's rescuer to bring us back. And the amazing news of Christmas is that Jesus has come. He's come to do that. Our rescuer is here. And we don't have to wait and wonder. We don't have to wait 700 years. We can look to the baby in the manger. But more than that, our rescuer is a shepherd. He will gather us. He will care for us. He will protect us. He will lead us. Because Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flocks and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus is a shepherd who's come to lay down his life for his sheep. As Phil said, we've got that little course, Hope Explored. It may be that you want to come and ask those questions for yourself. You've never thought of Christmas in that way. Then come join us. Or or, or if you're in the church building, um, you might want to grab these little books. Is Christmas unbelievable? Just to keep asking those questions and going on. But I expect for most of us here today and online, we're thankful that Jesus is our shepherd. And we need to remember that. I don't know how you're feeling this Christmas. Maybe you're anxious about Boris making an announcement. Maybe you're anxious that Boris isn't going to make an announcement. The unknownness of what this next week might hold uh, and the thought of not seeing family or friends. Maybe for some of us, we already are dreading next Friday, Saturday. Because maybe there isn't going to be somebody there. There's all sorts of reasons for tears this Christmas. And that's okay. Because God's rescue has come from a village called Nowhere. Not out of strong and impressive things. Not by being uh, stable and mighty. But by coming from a village called Nowhere to be our rescuer. He's our shepherd king who is with each and every one of us today. And however you're feeling today, he is with you.
He will keep you. He will gather you. He will care for you. He will lead you. He will protect you. He's your shepherd. And this Christmas, we remember that. As Phil said, perhaps we planned this series a while ago, but perhaps today is the message we need to hear, that God's shepherd is with us. He is with you this week. And this year and always. He will care for you and keep you today. Jesus is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Jesus guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Whatever Christmas holds, let's remember the shepherd who was born in the manger, who's come to bring his people home. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you that whatever this week holds, we know you are with us. In our dark moments, in those darkest of moments, your rod and your staff comfort us, for you are with us. Lord, may we know that today. May we know that this week. May we know it always. And therefore, Lord, may we have greater hope and joy this Christmas tide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.